This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, is the Christian race worth finishing? Now, we usually record Bigger Questions before a live audience in Melbourne's CBD, but today our show isn't recorded before a live audience. Instead, I'm at St. Luke's Anglican Church in South Melbourne. My guest today is Nick Hernshaw. Nick has been Vicar of St. Luke's Anglican Church since 2006, although he is just about to retire and leave Melbourne. Nick also enjoys running at a local running club, music, and playing trombone. So Nick, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great that you can join us. So Nick, (laughs) you have a passion for running. Yep. What do you love about it? Yeah, well, running was something that um, started probably at school and I, I discovered I was quite good at it, you know, mm-hmm. without, without being the, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I, I started running, I found this incredible sense of freedom, you know, that you, you kind of run light and you leave a lot of your gear off and you, you sort of run around in singlet and shorts or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and it was just a, a great feeling of being, especially the places where I was able to run, which were through... Uh, forest trails and, yeah. and woods and things and um, and it was just a real feeling of being alive so I enjoyed it for that reason but I, I discovered that I was quite good and and um, there was a certain oh, there's a certain amount of self-confidence that built up that, yeah. because of that as well. So yeah. how much running do you think you've done? I, I did once try and add it up because I've, I kept a running diary but not for not probably for the first few years and I, I, th- I think it's several hundred thousand kilometres, right. actually. Wow, that's exactly. a lot of running. Yeah. 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 I suppose it's a, that'd be pretty boring if we were just going around a track. It would be extremely boring. <laughs> um, and in fact, I think even, say, Albert Park Lake, I I could not possibly have done the the miles that I could have done just running around the lake. And I mean, that's nearly 5Ks. Yeah. I just couldn't have done that. Yeah, oh, very good. Now, so what sort of distances? You've run several hundred thousand kilometres mm. in your life. But what sort of distance do you prefer to run? Well, it's it's all changed. Um, these days, five kilometres seems quite a long way. <laughs> okay, um, right. But there was a time when you did feel it probably wasn't even worth putting your gear on if you were going to run less than about 15 or 16 k's. Okay. I really enjoyed those um, 30 k type um, mm-hmm. runs up through the forest, through the eucalypts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, seeing the odd animal, uh, snakes as yeah. well, things like that. And... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I got a great buzz out of that. I don't think I ever got back from a run wishing I hadn't been. Right. Well, Even, that's a good feeling. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. So you never got bored going on long runs? No, I didn't. And, and I think sometimes your mind does other things. And I used, to, I used to work out a few things that I wanted to say to people or maybe to the just a chance to, to clear your maybe. head, so to speak. Yeah, and, and, and so there was, a, there was a, an element of... Um, yeah, debriefing and thinking through things. Yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. Now, Gabriel Zevin once said, there are many challenges to long-distance running, but one of the greatest is the question of where to put one's house keys. <laughs> so where do you put your house keys when you run? <laughs> it's a, that's a funny thing. In the old days when you had shorts, you know, you, you actually had to wear some support stuff under your shorts in, in the old days, and, you, and there was nowhere to put your key. But I used to get a safety pin and pin it on the um, on the inside of my thigh. That's, right. That's what, so so in fact that is right. These days they come with support and pockets and things. Oh, okay. Proper running shorts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I have the wrong shorts. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you enjoy running, and you've mentioned this before. There are million, many millions of people who enjoy running, but you're also quite fast. 
Uh, and I suppose that does add to the enjoyment, being able to run fast? Yes, it does. And I don't really know how to explain that. It meant that for a lot of the time you, you can outrun people and get this, get this real feeling of, um, of moving through the, through the scenery and feeling the wind come through your face. Just, just the sheer feeling of going fast. Now, I, I, I don't want to overstate that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not an Olympian. I've off. never been an Olympian. Right. But you got reasonably exactly. close though, didn't you? Well, not too bad. Yeah, my long distance times probably weren't too far off. Yeah, mm. yeah. What was your fastest time? My best time for the marathon was two hours and twenty three and ten seconds. That was in nineteen eighty. Right. And that was in a state championship in New South Wales because uh, in those days, really, if you if you ran long distance, your opportunity was generally with. Actual running clubs, right? And so you tended to run state and national championships. So two hours twenty-three, th- three times I got under two thirty, and, yeah. and and that was a benchmark for me. If I didn't think I could get under two thirty, I didn't see any point in starting. Um, <laughs> and uh, my yeah, my slowest was yeah two thirty-nine. Right, so, yeah, that's still, that's yeah. pretty quick. I mean, if you'd yeah. run that time in the nineteen fifty-six Melbourne Olympic Games, you'd have taken the gold medal. Uh, with, with a couple of minutes to second place, I mean, or even a, a silver medal in the '68 Olympics. I mean, how does how does that make you feel? That's a pretty hot time. I, if I remember rightly, Emil Zetapik won the. Is that right? The I think won the games. 50, 56 Olympics in Melbourne. He'd, right. Yeah. I think he'd already won the five and the ten k. Okay. <laughs> right. um, but uh, I, I, I certainly don't aspire to be quite his standard. But I, I think it's maybe a different era. The whole business of marathon running seemed to change in, say, 60 and 64 um, with the Ethiopian Abibi Bikila. And, right. and times really started to come down quite dramatically from then. Yeah. Mexico City, that was at altitude, and I think that might have affected the time. So I'd, you, I'd you like might... to think I was close. Right. But you weren't quite there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's it like when you finish the race? Um, there are sort of two things, I think. One is you can finish extremely satisfied and um, and feel, you know, that, that, that was something good and I'm really invigorated by that. And mm. that would happen even at the end of marathons to me sometimes. Sometimes uh, you would finish and you were so absolutely exhausted, you'd say to yourself, I'll, another, I'll never in my life ever do another one of these again. <laughs> but it's funny, you, you, the, your fitness really is more dependent on how you bounce back. Right, and um, you know, an hour later, you you might, you know, you'll be tired, but you're feeling okay. Oh, I could do that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I found generally that one of my successes was I I generally seem to finish well right. in terms of long distances, marathons. Yeah, yeah. you had a bit of extra energy in reserve, perhaps. Well, I did wonder sometimes if I'd probably given my all. Right, um, but I'm I'm sure I had. That's remarkable. So you had two hours 23 and you think maybe I could have gone a little bit quicker. I, I remember that occasion very well because that was in Sydney and, um, and yes, I did finish it. I was third. It was a state championship and the winner had done, I think, 219 and second had done, he was only 25 seconds ahead of me and I was catching him up oh. like mad at the end. And uh, I did cross the line thinking... Gee, if I'd had more confidence and gone mm. earlier, it might have been different. But you, but you can't live with those sorts no, of reasons. No. So, th- what do you think then was your most satisfying race finish? Um, probably that one. But also, I ran a, a marathon in the ACT, and it was the only only the second marathon they'd run there. It was in 1977, 
I got these terrible stomach cramps halfway around and had to sort of deal with that. And I felt so much better at the end that I actually ran past the whole, the rest of the field and, and I actually won. <laughs> right. um, I was, that was 2.31. But um, I, that was really satisfying because I felt, I felt I was gone and I felt I'd had it. And yeah. in fact, it turned out that I hadn't. I yeah. got a whole new lease of life. Um, so did, were you tempted to give up in that race? Yeah, I wondered if I was going really to get to the end, but I'm I'm fairly persistent. Mm. I would say, I think my wife Ruth would say I'm I'm a natural marathoner. I'm I'm fairly persistent. I'm 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 not generally a, a dropout. I did actually drop out of a race in Queensland once, which and I was New South Wales state captain for that race, so it was a bit embarrassing. But I was really really sick, right? And I spent the rest of the weekend. But it turned out I got flu. Okay, so that's a reasonable excuse, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah. The classic British film Chariots of Fire told the story of Eric Little, the great Scottish runner. And Little says in the film that I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. Mm. Do you resonate with yeah, Little's I, comments? Yeah, I've, Eric Little's a real hero of mine. And um, I, I actually saw that movie, I think about 1982, the last year I, I ran a marathon. Mm. I understand exactly what he was um, getting at and... and uh, and running fast, and he's, uh, you know, his his life is just a remarkable example. Anyway, mm. Eric Little. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, just as an aside, do you think that Little was right to not run on a Sunday? I think that's a really hard one. I um, I, I think it's hard to put ourselves in in 1924 and and how the world thought about things. For instance, when I was younger, if if the national championship was on a Sunday, which happened occasionally. I, I must admit I did run it. Yeah. But yet I can see that his, his passion for his faith, his passion really for Jesus, was, was so great um, that I, I really admire that. Was he right? Yes, I think he was right in the context of his time. Mm. Well, and in some ways you could say, that, well, the, God rewarded him. <laughs> Very <laughs> for, for, He won the 400 metres, which he was never expected to run and hardly ever run that distance before. In a world record yeah. uh, as well. Um, so mm. not, not that necessarily God would necessarily have to reward him, but it was just an interesting... But it was kind of a justification for the stand that he'd taken and, mm. and, um, and the fact that he... he, he I mean, they thought that the 100 metres, or, or was it the 200 metres, was a sort of laid down uh, sort of gold medal. And, and I mean, he had he had to be faced with the idea that he was letting the country down. Mm. And I think that was a lot of pressure for him. And a huge pressure. But he, he, he said, well, I'm, I'm, I have to remain true to my faith. Yeah. Mm. Now, Little's comments raise the idea of purpose. Yep. He believed God made him for a purpose. So is there a greater purpose than running fast or long or, or for both? Yes, I think there is a purpose, and and it's interesting that in the New Testament, in the Bible, there that Paul sometimes actually uses the idea of running mm. or sporting athletic activities to demonstrate the Christian faith, both in terms of looking after yourself physically, but in terms of um, longevity and and keeping going right till the end, and mm. and the purpose and the finishing line and all that sort of stuff. And um, as you mentioned, I'm I'm finishing. Well, this uh, phase of my <laughs> my life which yeah. is a bit scary, yeah. and um, you know, you want to finish well. Mm. Mm. One of the other stars of Chariots of Fire, the character of Harold, Harold Abrahams yeah. in the film, said, "And now, in one hour's time, I will be out there again. I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide, with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence." 
Can running fast justify a person's existence? I don't know. I, I'm, I obviously don't have the mentality of a sprinter. There, there are times when I think, you know, the idea of having the whole thing over and done within 10 seconds may have a slight appeal um, <laughs> down, the, down this corridor yeah. and, that Harold Abrahams was. The, the purpose of living is obviously much greater than being able to run fast and to justify your existence from that. You know, mm. there's a, there's a, there is a whole higher purpose. We're still on this earth to be physical human beings, and mm. I think uh, I think it's it's good if we can do that the best we can. Mm. Mm. And sometimes people are being gifted with being mm. fast. Mm. Um, but I suppose also if you think that running fast, winning a race is the only way you can justify yourself, then only one person can ever get justified every four years, perhaps. That's exactly right. And, and of course, you read about those who, who reach those standards and wonder what they're going to do with the rest of their lives, and mm. that's... Uh, you know, that, that creates problems for them. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Now, as we've alluded to or mentioned already, the Bible points many parallels between running a race and the Christian life. But before we think about that, so Nick, can you tell us a bit about your Christian race? What convinced you to become a Christian believer? I was brought up by Christian parents who'd, um, who'd themselves as adults um, Changed their minds about mm-hmm. about the Christian faith and uh, and the and the place of Jesus. They they'd come from, well, my mother in particular from a home that was absolutely antagonistic uh, to the Christian faith, and um, my father from a home that well was a, um, probably felt it was just a, an ordinary thing, right? And nothing nothing really to get excited about. So so I was brought up in that atmosphere of um, of parents who. Who would have said um, it absolutely changed my life? It made a, such a total difference to my life. It changed the way I thought. It changed the way I lived. So, I was brought up in that. So th- that means my starting point is a bit different mm. uh, from people who say, "Well, um, I was an atheist and I was convinced yeah. of the truth of the faith." Um, but I, I guess as I got through uh, through school and teenage and had to stand up for myself, it, it was an increasing conviction that what Jesus had done for me was something that was really worth my responding to mm. and a conviction that this forgiveness, this this new, this restoration with God was something that was worth taking on for myself, that God's grace, and, it, and grace is one of those sort of magic words which I think is probably not always terribly well understood, but... Mm. But yet, it's uh, it's that God actually loved me in in Jesus, and I I really wanted to respond to that. So, I'd say that was the way I went during my years as a young person. I could never have imagined the idea of being a church leader or an ordained minister <laughs> right, in yeah. those days. In fact, I think I, I think it's fair to say that at the time, if anybody suggested that to me, I would have been horrified. Right. My wife's best friend from many years ago came from England um, here and she'd known me a little bit when I started going out with Ruth when I was in my 20s and um, now sort of in my mid-60s by this time she said to me Nick you're the last person that I would could have <laughs> ever imagined being ordained and I thought oh, what was wrong with me she right. said I don't know you were just the last person right <laughs> so growing up you didn't just simply blindly accept the faith of your parents you actually no. saw something attractive in Jesus um, what was yes, it particularly about Jesus that 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 attracted you to him it was his ability to really have uh, compassion for people who were from all levels of society it was it was his ability to maintain a sort of integrity in the face of uh, of huge opposition and ultimately 
and ultimately to give his life, and I guess ultimately for me. Mm. Now, now you're right in a way, because as a child, you take on very much maybe promises or beliefs that your parents um, may put on you, but it was, um, it was a sheer attractiveness of the person of Jesus and what he'd done for me and, and the hope of that future. I, I mean hope, I, I don't mean hope in a speculative sense, yeah. I mean a looking forward sort of hope. Mm. that says there's, there's something even greater than this. You can call it the hope of heaven if we like, mm. but it's, um, it's an eternity sort of that starts now and, and changes lives now. And um, I, found that, I found that very attractive and, and also very, very real in terms of the way I live my life and an and eagerness for others to know that. Too. Mm, mm. Today's big question, is the Christian race worth finishing? And the Bible offers an answer. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, the author draws a parallel with the Christian life and running. He says in Hebrews 12:1, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us." So Nick as a runner, how does that resonate with you? Um, that is absolutely terrific, and that's uh, that. That's a really significant uh, part of scripture for me. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of stripping off every weight, you know, yep. and, and uh, finding we a place for your keys. Early, yeah, all that, yeah, place for your keys, and, <laughs> you know, place place to put your tracksuit top or something. Yeah, um, and but just, uh, so stripping everything off, and yeah. So I love that, and then and then the idea. Here's a finishing line. And that you're looking for, mm. and uh, and the finishing line is actually a person in this case because it's it's um, it's Jesus, and we keep our eyes on that because that's where we're going, and it's a bit like he's kind of he's the starter and he's the finisher as well. Yeah, yes. and um, and I I just like that as a, an image. So, why do you think the author describes the Christian life as a race? Because I think there's a progression, and mm-hmm. you you have a start and you have a finish, and um, and in the meantime you you have your life to lead, and I I think it's an ideal analogy really that the mm. the race is um, is a time of progress, and ultimately you get to the finish line. You'd like to get to the finish line really well, mm. and I think even in non-Christian circles we we would probably talk about the race of life. Race of life, yeah. Mm. So and you explained before that you loved the freedom that came from running. Mm, mm. Do you have that same sense of freedom with the Christian race as well? Yeah, certainly in terms of the Christian life, um, I, I think I think there's a huge freedom. I think it's actually a freedom sometimes to be able to think for yourself or to think God's thoughts rather than feeling that you've got to be tied into what... Uh, what the current trend is, mm. or, or or what you read or see on the news, you know this is this is the way people think these days, and I think um, I think it gives us that freedom, not to be enclosed by the the thinking of society in general or the culture that you happen to live in, but you can think outside that, and mm. and I, I find that a great strength. I find that very very freeing. Yes. Fact. Yeah. So in some ways, there's similarities between the Christian mm. life and running a race. Mm. Yeah. 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 In another part of the New Testament, in the book of 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, who is near the end of his life, writes to his younger protege, Timothy, and he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Here we see that Paul is about to die, where he says the time for my departure is near, and he says that he has finished the race. So how do you think he's feeling, Nick? 
I think having finished the race, I think he's, it's a feeling of, of great uh, satisfaction, I think, in mm-hmm. having done what he's done as a, as a true servant of, of Jesus Christ, that, uh, that he's, been, he's been commissioned mm-hmm. as, as one who turned from being very opposed uh, to the Christian faith. He's turned, and, and obviously his passion has been that people should understand who this Jesus is and why they should respond to him. And I think it would be a wonderful thing at the end of your life to be able to go back and say, yes, I've finished the faith. I've kept, um, I've finished the race. Kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Yeah. And I, I can actually look forward to the next bit. Mm. Do you think that he would have been tempted to give up the race? You would think so, wouldn't you? Because he, he often lists the times when uh, when he he was opposed and stoned and all sorts of persecuted, things like that, yeah. persecuted generally. My human instinct says yes, he must have been tempted. But, but as I, I read the New Testament, he, he he just seems to be totally undaunted. Mm. He just says, I, "I have this passion. I just have to do this. I, mm. I don't care what it costs, mm. even if it costs my life. I've just mm. got to go and I've got to go and do it." Almost like having stomach cramps in a marathon race. You just got to keep going. Yeah, probably a little bit more. But yes, indeed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul then goes on to say, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which Mm. the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So, Nick, what's the reward then for finishing the Christian race? Mm, I think think the reward for finishing the Christian race is is to be part of God's uh, new creation. Is this Um, this crown of righteousness that he talks about? Yes, it's an interesting crown of righteousness because that's that's probably not the sort of language that we would use uh, today. Today, no. Um, But uh, it seems to me that we're talking about um, a future in God's new creation and, and in various other places in the scriptures it's... Um, the, the writers talk, or Paul himself talks about the idea of of, of, of new bodies and new creation and uh, and a whole the whole redeeming of creation generally mm. and um, and an opportunity to be to be part of that and I think I, I would see this as a reward. Now it's interesting because um, we I think in our natural human way of thinking can think well. Uh, Paul obviously did a lot more, so his his reward's greater. Mm. Um, whereas somebody might have turned to Christ late in life, and yet I just don't think that's how God thinks mm. of things. I, I, well, I well, that's what the this, reward is for all. Well, that's what this passage says: that mm. He has a crown of righteousness not just for me, but also to all who are able, who have longed for His appearing. And so, mm. this the same reward is given to anyone who follows Jesus. But the righteousness is is the thing that uh, that of course we get from Christ because we're obviously not naturally very righteous. Yes, and uh, righteousness is one of those words that I think we we think of in human terms as as being well behaved. Mm. But in fact, since none of us can really reach that standard, it's. Mm. It's ultimately what Jesus has done for us. That's that's what mm. it's about. So, in some ways, this the Christian race is not one that I have to uh, have done earn myself by my own self discipline and training, etc. Whilst there's an element of that in the Christian life, it's actually not mm. the way. That's not the reason that we get the prize. No, and no extra rewards for having you know run a marathon in two seven <laughs> or having run a marathon in six hours. You know, mm. I mean that's. Uh, that's you finish. You finish. And you get the prize, which is mm. the crown of righteousness. Mm. And the story of the Tanzanian athlete John Akawari in the 1968 Olympic Games inspires many. 
He injured his knee when competing in the marathon and he entered the stadium more than an hour after the winner. Bloodied and bandaged, he struggled to the finish line. When asked why he had not given up despite the obvious pain he was feeling, Akawari replied, My country did not send me 7,000 miles away to start the race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish it. It's an inspiring story. How do you react to that? Well, I think my reaction at the time, because I actually saw that. Right. And I saw him finishing. And as as a marathon runner, um, and I think probably I was even... What you was an active marathon runner at the time? I think I might have been, and um, and I thought that, that guy's done himself an immense injury, you know, um, by keeping going. Mm. But yet the inspiration is very much in the words that he used, wasn't it? That mm. I, I actually came to finish, mm. and uh, I think there's a, a huge admiration in that, and I think that certainly correlates to the Christian faith that uh, whatever may come on the way, we we're here to finish, not just mm. to start. Mm. The prize at the end, this crown of righteousness, do you think it's going to be worth a run? Yes, I think it is very much going to be worth a run. And Mm. uh, the idea of having a relationship with a creator and uh, with one from really who is the the source of love, yes, I think absolutely. But I think, I I suspect it's rather more than what I think Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians about chapter 2, rather more than we can imagine. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think that's the thing. I, I, th- I think some of the pictures that people have of, of some uh, sort of resurrection life, I, I, I think sometimes they're a bit limited by our human thinking. Mm. So, Nick, is the Christian race worth finishing? I'm sure the Christian race is worth finishing, and I'm sure the rewards are, are great and the satisfaction of having run well are an important part of, um, of the Christian life. And I would certainly suggest the Christian race is worth finishing, but I'd also say that it's worth, it's worth joining in and being part of mm. and really responding to it now. There's this thing that the Bible calls joy, which I think is a, often a little bit absent in the world and, and, again, not very well misunderstood. But there's that, I think, in, um, in, in living the Christian life, um, which means that we can do that actually from the starting line. We don't, mm. we don't just have to duck in mm. before the finish. And you experience that joy? Yes, I think so. It's, it's, um, it's not the same as happiness. It's, um, happiness, I think, is generally a fairly circumstantial thing. Mm. Um, joy is something that I think is deep-seated. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd say joy, I'm very, very satisfied with how, how life has been. Mm. And some of it's been tough. Mm. And where are you going? Um, are you talking about now or, or the future? Sorry, the, in terms of the joy of the crown of righteousness yeah, and, and yeah, the and I hope think, that you talked about before. Yeah, um, very much so. Mm. Yeah, and that's, and that's something so we don't have to regret. We can look forward. I understand, you know, where, where Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and um, that was his idea, wasn't it? That you could, there was something good about the future as well. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question. Is the Christian race worth finishing? From 2 Timothy 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Many thanks to our guest today, Nick Hernshaw. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. 
go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.